second. That's my, that's my first note on here. I made a note. So. That's right. Good morning, everyone. We'll go ahead and get started here. I don't know how long this is going to last, so I'll leave myself a little bit of extra room. Um, I never know quite long how the talk's going, how long it's going to go. But So I'm glad to be here this morning. I was a little worried when I walked in. I saw the projector. I was like, was I supposed to prepare a PowerPoint? Because I haven't done a PowerPoint in like 15 years. Um, I'm sure I could figure it out, but I didn't finish the talk until midnight last night, so PowerPoint would have taken me another few hours. Um, so a big thank you to, for, to Brad and Tyler for picking up the bagels this morning. So, so thank you for that. So anytime I give a talk, typically it's actually just growing out of something that I need to hear. Um, it's just a reminder that I need from Scripture. So my hope is usually when I prepare it that, it, that whatever I'm needing to hear will also resonate with whoever I'm, I'm, I have the opportunity to, to talk with. So, so that's, what this, that's what this grows at. We're going to be looking at John um, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8 today. So I'm just going to open us up in prayer. Dear Lord, we, just, uh, we praise your name. Lord, I just thank you. Lord, I thank you for your abundant love, your abundant grace for us, Lord, your abundant mercy. Lord, I just pray that you'd pour that out right now. Pray that you would just guide, guide us as we discuss your word, Lord, that, that, uh, that anything I have to say, Lord, would be from you. Lord, and anything that's not from you would just fall flat, Lord. Lord, I just I praise your name. I pray that you would guide us now. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to be looking at John uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. And um, I'll just give you a chance to turn there. But um, I'm... I'm a very competitive person, so and it may not always come out because I because I'm 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 more quiet about it. But I, if I'm doing something, I like to win. If I'm, yeah, pickleball. If 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 I if I'm if I'm playing a board game with the kids or if it's a new card game or something, I want to figure out what the point of that game is and I want to figure out how to win the game. Not and not to the point where I'm trying to hurt the other people or, and and I don't I don't get mad. You know, I, ha- I had friends and and. Especially like in college, we'd go play basketball, and every time they mess up, they'd start, you know, slamming their fist against the wall. You know, that's never, never been me. But I, but when I go into playing a game, I, I want to win the game, and I want to I want to play hard at it, and do that. So so anytime I'm playing anytime I'm playing a new game, you know, typically the first question question I'm going to ask is, well, well, what's the point of this game? You know, what's the, what's the point of this game? What's the, what's the goal? You know, is it to win? Is it to be the last one standing? You know, and it could be just a game. That, hey, this game's just about having fun. There's no winner, you know. And I want—I want to know that up front. You know, I, I hate games. I, I hate games that that declare a winner, but there's no way for me to formulate a strategy to actually become the winner. Like when the kids have certain games they like to play, and it's just basically all rolling the dice or something. I'm like, I don't—I don't really want to play this game. You know, I play because I want to be a good dad. But I don't, I don't really like those type of games. I like a game that I can formulate a strategy for and that I have a chance to win it. So, so the first question I'm asked is, what's the point of the game? You know, once I figure out what the point of the game is, I want to know, you know, what are the standards? What's the rules for this game? You know, what, um, what do I have to do to win it? You know, is it have the most points? Is it, are there certain rules I have to follow along the way to, to get to the end of it? So I, I want to know what the purpose of it is, and I, then I want to know what the standards for the game are. And then finally, you know, I want to I come up with a strategy. 
I want to come up with a game plan. So the moment I'm usually playing a game, if it's a, even if it's the first time, I'm thinking about, well, what if I hit the ball in this spot? What if I do this? Or I'm watching other people that have played more than me, and I'm seeing what they're doing. And I want to figure out, I want to figure out the, the, the way to win that game. Okay? All right. So I'd want to know the purpose. I'd want to know the standards for the game. And then I, I, want, to, I want to develop a game plan for it. And I want to, I want to know how to attack that game. All right, so let's think about it, just real, real quick, the young guys in here. Let's think about it from a basketball standpoint. What's the purpose? we got the NCAA tournament coming up. What's the purpose of a basketball game, or what's the purpose of the NCAA tournament? What is it? What, what's the point of a basketball game? Yeah, you know, they get the ball in the hoop, right? But what's, what's, the end point of the, what's the end point of the game? What are you shooting for if you're playing the game? Get the most points... Right? That's the standard, right? To get the most points. But what's the actual goal of the game? What do you want to be declared at the end of that game? The champion, right? You want to be the champion of the tournament. You want to be the winner of the game, right? So that's, that's the actual purpose of the game is for you to be declared the champion at the end of, for the NCAA tournament at the end of six games and maybe seven if you're on a real roll. Okay? Um, okay? So that's, that's the purpose of the game. Now, what are the standards? I heard, I heard one person say it. What's the, what's the standard? for determining who is, who, who, who achieves that purpose. What's the standard? The most points. The team with the most points, right? That's the standard. And there's other standards too, right? There's other things along the way. You know, you have to, there's a time limit. You know, that's part of the, that's part of the standard. There's, there's rules you have to obey. You know, you can't travel with the ball. You have to dribble. You know, you can't, you know, there's, there's all sorts of minute things. But the main standard is you have to have the most points within the game. So the, the goal is to win the game. The standard is whoever has the most points is going to win it. Now, if we, if we were to think about strategy for basketball, right, if we were to think about strategy or a game plan, what, what would that look like? What would a defensive strategy for basketball look like? What are some different defensive strategies? Man-on-man. Man-on-man. Man. You can play man-on-man. Man. You can play zone. You may even play like a box in one if there's a particularly good player and you're not worried about the other four that much, all right? Yeah, so there, there, there's that, and, you know, and then there's offensive strategies, right? There's game plans for doing that. You know, you may go on that, you may, you may be a team that likes to push the ball. You may be a team that likes to slow down the game, you know. There, you know, you may have all, all, all sorts of particular things. So there's a game plan, typically, that the coach, you know, will develop for attacking that game. So there's a game plan for going about achieving the standard so that they can eventually, you know, meet that final purpose of winning the game. All right, so we're going to look at, we're going to look at John um, 15, uh, 1 through 8, using those three things for, for purpose, standards, and then a game plan. All right? So real quick, I'm just going to read through um, John 15, 1 through 8, so you can follow along in your Bibles. So I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. 
and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. All right, so this may only be a few verses, but there's a lot of theological depth here. I mean, we could really spend, well, I couldn't, but y'all could spend hours talking about even just one word in here. You know, we could just pick, pick, pick some of the different words in here and talk hours about what that means about Christ, what it means about God, what it means about our relationship to Christ, okay? Um, I mean, we, we really could. There, there's, that much, there's that much depth here. Um, but for this morning, we're just going to look at these eight verses with that sort of framework that we talked about for, for a game. We're going to look at what's the purpose, what's our purpose, okay? We're going to look at what are the standards that we're measured against, and then we're going to look at what, what's the strategy, what's the game plan for, achieving those, for meeting those standards and achieving that, that purpose, okay? All right, so if we think about our purpose, it's, it's the end goal. If we think about our standards, it's how we're, how we're going to determine if we achieve that end goal, and if we think about our game plan, it's how we're going to go about meeting those standards so that we can achieve it, okay? All right. So let's start with purpose. If we think of purpose being the end goal or their ultimate goal in life, um, let's take a quick look at verse 8 here. Okay? If, we break this, if we break this scripture up looking under this framework, verse 8, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So if you're looking at verse 8 here, um, what would you say that our purpose is? Yeah, I heard a couple of things. I heard be a disciple. I heard glorify the Lord. So there's actually two things that are happening in the verse. We have, we have purpose, and then we also have a standard. Okay? So, so our purpose is to glorify the Lord. Okay? The Westminster Catechism does a, does a great job of, um, of highlighting this. You know, their, their first question in the Westminster Catechism, if you're familiar with it, um, you know, it was, this was laid out hundreds of years ago, but it, but it still rings true is their first question is what is man's, it's actually what is man, what is the chief end of man? But in modern English it is what is man's primary purpose? What is man's primary purpose? And the, the answer they give for that is man's primary purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Yeah. That's, that, that's, our, that's our primary purpose. That's why God created us, right? It's to, glorif- it's to glorify God. All right? So if we look at a few other scriptures... So what does it mean to glorify God? I mean, it's to set, put the word glorify out there. Glorifying is, is all it is is to, is to magnify something else, okay? So our job, our, our purpose is to magnify God, all right? Our purpose is to bestow honor and praise and admiration on God in everything that we do, okay? That, that, that's our purpose, all right? If we look at Romans eleven thirty six, for him and through him and to him are all things, to him be glory forever, okay? So it's not only our purpose, it's not only man's purpose, it's not only our purpose of the, of the men in this room, okay? It's, it's the purpose of all creation, is to glorify God, is to magnify God, you know? And uh, the Westminster, Westminster Catechism rightly puts on there for man's primary purpose to, um, man's primary purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, because not all of creation can enjoy God, okay? Man was specifically, you know... People were specifically created in a way that we can enjoy. Not only are we to glorify God, to bring God glory, but we are able to enjoy doing that. 
We are able to enjoy God's presence. We are able to, you know, trees can't do that. You know, water can't do that. Even animals, you know, they have no sense, no sense of that. We were created in a way that, to glorify God and then to enjoy him. So they, they rightly put that on there. We're not really going to discuss that part today. But if you look a little further it, in the scripture we're reading today down in verse 12, Jesus even, even, even addresses that, you know, in the sense that he says, you know, I'm, bring, I'm, I'm telling you this so that you, can, that you can have a full amount of joy. Okay? So that's, that's our purpose when we're looking at, at that. So. All right, so we can also look at, at 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whatever you eat or whatever you drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So even in the minutest things, that's our purpose. You know, even in the most mundane things in life, our purpose, once again, is to, is to glorify God. Okay? In everything that we do, to, be, to bestow honor upon God, to magnify who He is. All right, so now keeping in mind that our purpose is, is to bring God glory... Um, looking back at verse 8 again, what would be the standard for achieving that purpose? How do we determine if we meet that goal, if we meet that goal of actually glorifying God? Okay? How, how, do we, how would we determine that? So take a moment, just look at, at verse 8 there again. And uh, how would we determine, what would our standard be for whether we are glorifying God? Yeah, bear fruit, right? Okay, bear fruit and so prove that we are disciples, right? We are disciples of Jesus, right? So by this my Father is glorified, glorified, glorifying God being our purpose, and then our standard, you know, whether we, whether, what we're shooting for, whether we meet, whether we're going to glorify God, is that, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So our purpose is to glorify God and our standard is bearing much fruit, okay? And that fruit is spiritual fruit. And it's twofold, right? Number one, it's conforming of our character to the likeness of Christ. So you can think of that as uh, what we see in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, you know, um, fruit, of, fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law, okay? <clears throat> and a whole plethora of other things. <clears throat> but it's that spiritual fruit that once we are united with Christ, and he's given us his spirit, that fruit that's going to come out there as our character is changed, as we're transformed daily, <clears throat> that's, that, that's the one aspect of that fruit. The second aspect of that fruit, <clears throat> if you think about a plant, its job, you know, a vine, a vine's job is to multiply, right? Okay? It's to multiply. That, the second aspect, of the, the second fold of that fruit is that we are creating other disciples. You know, we are multiplying other believers, so there's a two, 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 twofold to that, that fruit that the scripture is talking about here, that standard that, you know, one, that our character is becoming more and more like Christ, um, and two, that we are part of the disciple-making process. Okay? So, so our purpose is to glorify God. Our standard is to... Our standard is to bear fruit. All right, and we can look at also, um, you know, Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, for, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You know, we're going to be a part of that. We're, we're told by Christ, you know, this is part of your fruit. Going out, making disciples. You know, if, if we look at the parable of the, of the soil, 
you know, the good soil. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So there's that, repro- there, there's that reproduction. There's that fruit that's coming out of what Christ has given us. Okay. All right, so our purpose is to glorify God. Our standard that we're going to be measured against is that producing of fruit. All right. Um, Matthew 5.16 lays out our purpose and standard in very similar terms. Matthew 5.16, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So once again, the end result of it, the purpose, is that God would get glory. The fruit is that our light, our light would shine. That's our fruit. Okay? Our light would shine. Our good works are our fruit. Okay, that are that are that are that are growing from us, all right. And then the, and the end goal of that is that God would get glory. Okay. Okay. So finally, that was all in verse eight. Okay. That was just that was in verse eight. Ver, you know, you have the purpose, and then you have um, finally you have uh, the, the second part of that, the standard. Okay. Verses one through seven is the game plan. Verses one through seven is the game plan. It's the strategy for. Meeting that standard and, achieve, and achieving that goal. Okay? <clears throat> All right. Now, each table, just, just take a quick minute um, to look through verses 1 through 7 and, and throw some things out that look like a, a strategy um, or a, a game plan or directive for how we're going to go about meeting, um, how we're going to go about achieving that standard. What are some of the things you see in verses 1 through 7? What's that? Yeah, Yeah, abide. Yeah, we're going to abide. We'll talk about that. We're going to abide. Talk about what abide means. What are some other things you're seeing? Pruning. There's going to be pruning involved, right? Yeah, removing dead, and that's part of that pruning process. Um, Not only from us, but in in general. Being sanctified by God's word, verse 3. Yeah, being sanctified, right? So this is this is all part. These are things all part of the game plan, you know. And as I said before, you know, when we got started there, uh, there's tons of depth in these verses. We could spend really a long time. You know, working through each one of these things that's said in verse one through seven, but we're just going to focus on, a, on about three things. You know, as we examine, you know, what the strategy is. What what should we what what how do we go about meeting this goal of producing fruit? So, right, so, so first we're going to talk about Dick. Dick brought it up. We're going to talk about the word abide. You know, this is not a word that we typically use anymore. You know, it's not. I you know I never hear my sons using the word abide. You know, I never hear the word abide in general. Um, ESV uses it here, you know, um, you know, abide can just mean live, you know, it can mean continue, it can be remain, the NIV uses the word remain instead of abide, you know, instead of saying um, what, what we're seeing in, in verse 7 where it says abide in me and I in you, it says, it says remain in me, okay, so abide has this underlining meaning of like a continuous connection, all right, um, if we're, I'm pulling from the commentary Exalting Jesus and John, true disciples are connected to me. Um, and he's phrasing this as if kind of a paraphrase of what 
or a deeper thinking of what Jesus would be saying. We are united together. Now abide in me. Remain connected to me. Get your life from me. Live your life out of your connection with me. So that's what kind of what that word abide um, kind of digs in for us, you know, that there is a continuous connection, something that's uh, starting but not ending, okay? And, and you know, that's when, when we're in Christ, we're going to have that continuous connection. You know, when we look at Romans 8, 38, uh, 38 through 39, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ, from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Just that idea, that, that's what that abide has, that, that there's not going to be a separation, okay? That is a continuous life lived with, with Christ through the vine. Okay. So it, it, it really indicates a complete giving over of ourselves. And when we look at Matthew 19, 16 through 22, and behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, you know, this is the, this is the good... The story of the good young ruler, you know, this is, the, this is the continuous teaching of Christ, that he wants every bit of you, okay? And he will settle for nothing less. He wants, he wants a full giving over. When the, when the rich man, young man comes to him and says, what must I do? I'm doing all these things. What must I do? He said, well, you know, he said, you need to go sell everything, and you need to give it to me, and you need to come follow me. You know, and he went away, he went away sad because he, could, he couldn't do that, right? But that's what Christ requires of us. That's what that word abide means. It, it, he wants a full giving over of ourselves to him. Okay? He'll, he'll settle for nothing less. Okay? He'll settle for nothing less. That's the game plan. That's what he wants out of us. All right? But, he, but he, doesn't leave us, he doesn't leave us to do it on our own. You know, we, we as Americans, you know, it's, it's, it's ingrained in our culture. You know? It's what's made America be able to grow the way it has, is that, is that we are a can-do type of people. You know, we like to get things done. We don't take a two-hour siesta you know, in the afternoon, you know, we're lucky if we take a 30-minute lunch. You know, we want to get things done. We want to, we want to produce things. And we believe, you know, the American dream, the whole American dream is, is that if you work hard enough, you can move from the bottom to the top, right? That's the whole American dream. You know, if you're willing to put in the hard work, that, that you can achieve that. And we like to, we like to think that, right? And, we, and that, that, that's sort of ingrained in us um, in this culture, all right? But... What we're going to talk about next um, is we talked about the word abide. The, the second thing I kind of want to point out when we're looking through these verses 1 through 7 is that we cannot meet the standard of producing fruit by ourselves. We are dependent upon Christ. We see this, we see this twice. We see this in verse 4. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. And neither can you unless you abide in me. We have to be dependent upon Christ to achieve the standard of bearing fruit. We're unable to do it on our own. Okay? We also see it again in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, he, he, even, he even furthers his thoughts there. He's not only saying you can't do anything. He's saying you, you can do nothing without me. Now, we know that, we know that there are plenty of things that get accomplished in this world by people who aren't Christians, you know. But what he's specifically talking about here is spiritual fruit. Okay? You cannot bear fruit. You cannot bear spiritual fruit. You cannot multiply disciples outside of Christ. And he wants to make that clear, that we are totally and utterly dependent upon him. We're unable to do this on our own. All right? So it, it requires submission and obedience. You know, um, 
Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All right. So this, the, 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 the word I want us to focus on here is yoke. Okay? So a yoke is, a, is, a, is what, what's placed on oxen to be able to harness all the power that oxen are created with. Okay? It's a, it's a yoke that's put on oxen so that they can be, then be directed where they want to go. Okay? It, it, it basically takes the oxen and it puts them in total obedience to their master. Okay? So, and that's what Christ is calling. That, that, that's, what, that's one of the, you know, oftentimes we focus on, you know, we, we, we can focus on, and we should rightly focus on what this says about Christ, that he's gentle and lowly, you know, and that he, he does give us rest. Okay? But there's an aspect here of that he's calling us. We have to put, place ourselves, our full life, under obedience to Christ. You know, that's what, that's what it means to take on the yoke. That's, that's saying, Christ, you're my master. And Christ tells us, you know, I'm a, I'm a good, I'm a good master, you know. You know, I'm kind, you know, I'm lowly, I'm gentle, but, but you are putting yourself in obedience to him, okay. So it requires that submission, that obedience that, that comes with that when we're, when we're connecting ourselves to him. All right. So, the, so those two things, we're going to talk about abide, abide just that, that there's a continuous connection. We're going to talk, we talked about too that, you know, we're in complete dependence upon Christ. We're unable, to, we're unable to produce fruit without him, okay? And then the third thing is that, and, and Scott brought this up, there's going to be pruning. So God is actively involved in increasing the yield of fruit. He's actively involved in increasing the glory that's given to him through you, Okay? And that's through that pruning process. You know, we see, um, we see that in verses 1 through 2, and then we see that again in verse 6. So, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Okay? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And then down in verse 6 also, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. So this is twofold. Scott brought up the pruning aspect, and Jason brought up the aspect of cutting away the dead. Okay, so so God is actively involved in this purpose He's called you to. He's actively involved in you uh, meeting those standards, and that's through that pruning process. One, He's going to cut away the dead; those who are not producing any fruit. Okay, those who are close to Christ, uh, they may you know a good example of this is like Judas. Judas Iscariot, you know, he appeared to be, you know, he appeared to be uh, connected to Christ, but in the end he wasn't, and, he, and it was cut away, right? So that's that cutting away of the dead. And then there's the pruning that Scott brought out, right? There's that pruning that's involved that, that, it, that he's going um, to snip away areas of our life, and, you know, and it's, and it's probably going to be painful. I really enjoyed um, hearing Caleb's uh, talk last month. You know, and, and when he gave his testimony of just walking through infertility and just uh, how God had used that, you know, that was a pruning process in him and his wife, right? You know, and it was painful. I mean, you could hear that. You could hear that in the story. It was painful, but it was a pruning process. And in the end, it brought fruit, right? It brought one. It, it, um, you, you can see this in, in this scripture. We're not going to talk 
much about it today, but you can see them in there, you know, uh, God, God tells us, you know, you can pray for what you'd like, and then I'm going to give it to you. As, you. as you draw closer to me, and you're connected to me, you're going to be able to pray for what you desire, and it'll be given to you. And, th- and that's because as we're being pruned, you know, our thoughts, our affections are becoming more aligned with what Christ is. So, so I, I was struck by, in Caleb's talk, you know, he talked about, you know, they were struggling, and, you know, God was pruning away, and they didn't understand it. And then God began to change their affections, and, they, and he changed what they wanted to pray for. He began to change, he began to, they began to pray for content, contentment, okay, which is a fruit. And God poured that out on them, okay. So that's why, that, you know, he tells us that we can be, you know, as we're drawing, our affections are becoming more like his. As we're becoming more connected to him, that's why he says that we can begin to pray for things, for our desires, because our desires are his desires at that point. So I was really struck by that in Caleb's story. So, all right. So, God's commitment. This came from this came from the commentary. God's commitment to your fruit bearing is greater than your commitment to comfort. Okay, He's not concerned about our comfort. You know, his his commitment to you bearing fruit is 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 way greater than he is than you are committed to your comfort. And he and if you're connected to him, you can you can rest assured that he's going to prune you. Okay. And that at times it will be painful, all right? And, and that's not a bad thing. Um, you know, in Hebrews, you may, you may meet trials of various kinds. Um, for you know the testing of your face. No, this, this isn't Hebrews. For the moment, all disciples seem painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. All right, so there's going to be... Um, we can expect to be pruned. You know, in James, that's why James says, count it all joy, my brothers. There's that joy aspect that we gain um, from glorifying God, okay? When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. All right. So there's only one winning game plan, you know. You know, in, in the game of in basketball, you know, different coaches can have different plans, you know, and, and, and different aspects can be successful. Christ only gives us one game plan. You know, this is why I said, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. There's only one game plan, and this is it, that full dependence upon him. There's only one way to meet the standard, the standard of bearing fruit, and that's full dependence upon him. That's the game plan. There's only one. You know, you don't get to choose your own. You don't get to do it. You, you know, if you, if you follow after the game plan, you're going to meet those standards, okay? And when you meet those standards, you're going to achieve that goal of what you're designed for. Okay? And, and just as a, as a closing, it's always easy to get focused on the standard. It's easy to get focused on the purpose. Right? And to, to place our eyes on that. But really, our eyes are always supposed to be on the game plan. Okay? When we're focused on the game plan, when we're focused upon dependence on Christ, the fruit flows out of that. In the end, the glory flows out of that. When we get focused on the fruit, when we get focused on the end purpose then oftentimes we begin trying to manufacture, manufacture that ourselves. Okay? The game plan is for always for us to be dependent upon Christ. So, right. That's all I have for this morning. Are there any thoughts or questions?